It's the end of an era. The Kings' time in New York is no more. After 15 seasons manning the net for the New York Rangers, the team has bought out his final year of Henrik Lundqvist's contract. We look back at the goalie's memorable run with the blue shirts and what he meant to the franchise. We are joined by the post Larry Brooks and Molly Walker. Henrik's former Rangers teammates, Darius Kasparaitis, Stanley Cup winning goalie Mike Richter, former Rangers captain and broadcaster Dave Maloney, and diehard Rangers fan longtime ESPN anchor Linda Cohen. So sit back, relax, and join us for a special thank you, Henrik, edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Catch up on all episodes and interviews you may have missed from season one of the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your continued support. Today, we look back at the memorable run of Henrik Lundqvist in a New York Rangers uniform for the 15 seasons he was here after the Blue Shirts decided Wednesday to buy out the final year of his contract. We are joined by a cavalcade of terrific guests, the post Larry Brooks, the post Molly Walker, Henrik's old teammate Darius Kasparitis, Stanley Cup champion Rangers goalie, Mike Richter, Rangers great MSG Network broadcaster Dave Maloney, and diehard Rangers fan, longtime ESPN anchor Linda Cohn. All our guests will join the star of the show, Rangers great Emmy Award winner, number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, thank you, Jake. Thank you to everyone. So today is a special edition where we honor Henrik Lundqvist, his 15 seasons with the New York Rangers, all of which I've seen most of those games, 12 years I spent uh, on television, MSG, 12 years where I got to really see who this man is, 11 trips to the playoffs. And of course, we all remember that year of 2014, where he led that team to the Stanley Cup finals through his career, 459 victories, 64 shutouts, Vezina Trophy winner, 2011, 2012. And when you compare him to other goaltenders in the NHL, he's the sixth winniest goaltender in the NHL in hockey history. So when you look at all that, when you think about who is Henrik Lundqvist as he leaves town, they called him the king. They called him the king for a reason. Right from his first season, he commanded, he commanded that goaltender position. He wanted to be the best. And when you talk to his teammates, he worked that way. Every day when he competed, when he showed up to practice, he was the hardest working guy on the ice. He became very likable by all the fans. Why? Because he's just a likable guy on the ice, off the ice. And so as he leaves, as the Rangers buy out his contract, for many, it's sad. Sad to see him go. Why? Because they would have loved to have seen him win the Stanley Cup, especially in 2014. He was well-deserving of that. But we've seen where other great athletes... They get close, but they don't get to that finish line. And for Henrik Lundqvist, it was the case. But he'll have an opportunity as he challenges himself possibly to another opportunity of going to another team, another team in the NHL. And so that remains to be seen. But today, we're going to talk about his time as a New York Ranger. I've got some special guests. And it all started in his first couple of years where uh, Darius Kasparaitis, who's a guest of ours today, will be able to share who Henrik was when he first showed up. 
because they share some time together. They're roommates, in fact. So that'll be fun. Of course, Larry Brooks, who really covered them, and Linda Cohen, Dave Maloney. And we got a group of guests that are going to really be able to help us and really understand who he is as we say goodbye, Henrik, and thank you for your 15 seasons. Yeah, Ron, very nicely said there on Henrik Lundqvist. And, you know, before we hand it off to a guest, I just want to pass along a note from one of his friends. I think I mentioned on a show in the past that I met one of his good friends from Sweden at a bar after a Rangers game that we went to. His name, Nico, he said, you know, from a friend perspective and also talking in general for Swedish sports people and especially hockey fans, everyone is extremely proud of what he has achieved over the last 15 years with the Rangers starting with his journey with his twin brother Joel in Frolunda, and then came in young with quick success on the Rangers. Always being an ambassador for Rangers with a good heart. Many people would, of course, wish that he won the Cup, but when he reflects back, he will have a lot of memories and trophies. As he already states on his instant Twitter, I know he's a grateful and proud. I also hope he will get more time over to play the guitar, depending on his next step. So guitar player, Eastern Conference champion, Rangers legend Henrik Lundqvist, and now we'll have a cavalcade of great guests to honor King Henrik. We now welcome in Rangers beat writer at the New York Post, Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his coverage of Henrik Lundqvist in the post at nypost.com. Welcome, Larry. And so we want to honor Lundqvist and his leaving the Rangers. And uh, so I'm having guests today that have been around him, either played with him or like yourself, have written about him from the time that he was a rookie coming to New York till now. How would you best describe Henrik Lundqvist as a person, as a part of the New York Ranger hockey team? I think he symbolized class competitiveness, pride in being a ranger, pride, and I think even more than that, pride in, in being a New Yorker. He adopted New York as his as his home and did so actually pretty pretty early in his career. He he was made for New York and I think New York was made for him. He was a, a uh he was an elite goaltender who essentially was the face of the franchise for at least fourteen of his fifteen seasons. And I'd say maybe the first one he wasn't because he was you know, he was just coming in and Yarm Yager had his had his hundred twenty three point season that year, so oh five, oh six was kind of Yager's year, but Lundquist did not come in under the radar once he had made his debut. I, you know, I I think he understood his significance and he was you know, more than just a player. I mean, they, they we celebrate guys for what they do on the ice or what they do on the playing field if they're athletes. But Henrik Lundqvist, you know, the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation is 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 uh, is going to leave a far greater imprint on the lives of people than Henrik Lundqvist's career as as a hockey player. So he was the entire. He was the you know the, he was the complete package. Had a huge amount of responsibility, probably too much. Uh, the burden, I think, probably became a little bit too much for him uh, when the Rangers started their descent. But here's a man who was uh, synonymous with the Ranger organization for 15 years, and you don't see that very much in pro sports these days. When you look at his career as um, wins and losses, a six overall in the NHL when it comes to all the goaltenders. Is there anything that stands out to you when 
when when we talk about his post games. I know the Rangers go to the Stanley Cup finals, but is there any time in particular where you felt like, wow, he was phenomenal, like he won games for the Rangers? Well, he won games for the Rangers in 2011-12 during that season. He had the back-to-back shutouts in, in 2013 when they were down three games, two to the Caps, and Ben obviously won it in seven, getting game seven in, in uh, D.C. But the um, I think his most impressive performances in the playoffs were during the 2014 series when they came back against the Penguins. They were down 3-1. They won the last three, of course, the, the entire Martin San Luis saga with his mom passing. But Lundqvist allowed three goals in three games. He allowed one goal in each of the last three games, in games five, six, and seven. And he made a couple of remarkable saves as the Penguins were pressing in the frantic final minute or so of, of that game seven, which was two to one. And then I think the next year when they were down one to Washington and they came back to win that series too, he was about as good as I've ever seen him. He was great against Montreal when, when they, when they won the conference finals to go to, to go to the, you know, to go to the cup finals in 14. But his, um, his ability to play at an elite level, in elimination games from 2012 through 2015 was remarkable. And I, this was a little while ago. I was I was looking back at, at the Rangers' playoff record of those years, and I believe they were 15 and four in elimination games in those four seasons. Which it's almost impossible to be 15 and four in elimination games and not win a Stanley Cup. However, they lost four. And that's why they, they, you know, they lost four, not three. But honestly, you go 15 and four in elimination games, and but uh, for, for those games, but they are, you know, the stuff of legend. And um, I think that, you know, the years from 12 to 15 were certainly the highlight years of his career, the highlight years of this Ranger era. But it started, it, it started almost immediately. You know, I mean, they were competitive from the time he got there, and uh, with, with Yager. With, with with other people, he didn't do it by himself, but he had the burden essentially every night for almost 15 years of having to be the best player on the ice for the Rangers to win. <laughs> so um, I, I don't think um, uh, I don't think any praise he's he's receiving today or will receive um, is is outsized. He was an extremely important figure in New York sports history. Well, there's no question that he's going to be a legendary New York Ranger. At one point, they'll retire his jersey. When you think that way, for a Ranger fan, it would be hard for them to see him in another jersey in another team. Do you think there's a possibility he may go to another NHL team or possibly go back to Sweden and play with his brother? No, I don't think he's going back to Sweden. I think uh, I don't. I, I think I think that's not an option for him. Um, I do think I, I think he is going to see what's out there for him. Um, if there's a match, if there's a contending team that might need a backup now. You know, he's never been a backup in his career. We don't know if he really has the aptitude for it. But I think going somewhere else might re-energize him if he's on a team with a chance to win. I think that, you know, if if, if he his mentality allows it, I think there's a chance for him to have a second act somewhere else that he could not have had in New York. He could not have been a backup goalie to Igor Shesterkin this year. It was not, you know, an icon is not going to sit on the bench for 60 games. I do think there's a chance. We'll see. I, I don't think he's going to sign just to continue playing. You know, I, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think that there's a team out there that makes sense 
and is excited about having him, I think there's a I think there's a chance. I think there's a pretty good chance he'll play. The one thing I do hope, honestly, is that he doesn't play against the Rangers. I think that would be a very I think that would be a very difficult one. I you know, I hope he goes to the West and I hope next year the schedule is then conference only because of COVID and the Rangers don't have to play against Lundquist in a different sweater. I think that'd be very, very difficult. I was at the Garden when Eddie Jockerman came back. It was very, very difficult. I think this would be even tougher. I think this would be much tougher. Well, Larry, I, I thanks, uh, thanks for your time. Um, I'm going to um, agree with you with uh, him coming back. We would all love to see him come back. Going to the West would be fine. But for me, for entertainment value, I would love to see him go back and compete against the Rangers for entertainment value, if, if anything else. That would be fun to watch. But still, if you're a Ranger fan, it'd be difficult to watch. So thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks, Ronnie. Take care. And welcome in a former teammate of Henrik Lundqvist with the Rangers for two seasons in 05-07. A friend of mine, Darius Kasparaitis, joins us. Darius, welcome to the show. We always love having you on. You can give us some insight with uh, Henrik because you were there in his rookie season, and I believe you two were roommates. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, not roommates, but, uh, you know, he included his wife, Joffa, at that time. So I guess it's weird to call roommates. Actually, Hendrik, when Hendrik came to the league, he stayed in my uh, house in uh, Westchester for uh, almost a month with his girlfriend. So, uh, you know, it was kind of cool to... Uh, he, he was nobody when he came to, uh, in the, to the league. You know? Nobody knew who Hendrik, Hendrik Lankford was. But, uh, you know, and I was uh, married that time to the Swedish uh, woman. So, uh, you know, we had things in common. <laughs> So uh, that that's how uh, you know our relationship started because I was kind of it was into a Swedish uh, culture. So uh, Hendrik, uh, I took Hendrik, Hendrik under my wing. Okay, so you were a good role model for him, would you say? I think so because you know uh, I was going through my uh, midlife crisis or mid NHL crisis. So I I was driving Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Bentleys, and I think Hendrik uh, saw uh, me going through that stage in my life. And I remember when Hendrik bought his first uh, Maserati, he was so proud, you know, that he has a such a cool car and I remember telling him you know listen kid this uh, Maserati is Maserati but it's not a Ferrari and I think eventually he had he had some uh, sick cars uh, later in his career you know and uh, I think I, I show him uh, I show him the ropes that if you uh, succeed in the NHL I think you can enjoy a little bit uh, life outside the ring driving nice cars and living a good life in the city so when you think back of his rookie year his first couple season you're around him and and the way he performed as a New York Ranger. When you look at all his wins and how he became a star, he's legendary now. Did you see that in him early on, his first couple of years? Well, I think, you know, right away, so the kids, you know, had, he was not a kid. He was, I think, 22 or 23 when he came to the league. But at the same time, I saw his, you know, professionalism. He, he always uh, worked hard. He always stay uh, after practice for extra stuff. And the moment he had a chance to, uh, you know, step up and play, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a star goalie, uh, he showed that he can be a good goalie in NHL. I remember feeling so safe. Every time we went to uh, overtime or shootout, I knew that Henry was going to be, uh, you know, was going to give us a win because he was so good in shootouts in the beginning of his career. I remember, I think we won all the games in shootouts play with him being in the net. So, uh you know, he, he he was a really professional. He, he cared about the game a lot. He, he, he trained hard, and he always, you know, he you know, like any superstar, I think he always uh, never had, you know, he was never satisfied with his game. He, he wanted to prove all the time. You know, when you listen to Henrik talk, he always talked about how hard he felt like he had to work all the time. 
And whenever he suffered a loss, he always say, I got to go back and work and work. Now, you got to have balance. As you know, I know you got to have balance. Yes, it's a lot of hard work, but you got to have got to find a time where you can just relax and have fun. Do you believe that he was able to balance that out, enjoy New York, have some fun and still be very competitive? I think so. You know, I think Henry had uh, had a balance. I think he took the game too serious. Every loss was uh, very, uh, you know, big and uh, very emotional for him. Even, you know, uh, even recently I met him after the game, you know, and he was so upset that he lost the game. And I said, listen, buddy, you're like, you know, almost four. You have to relax. You have to enjoy. You know, it's not only you, it's the team. And I think uh, he, he took that very seriously. Every game, you know, every game was like a playoff hockey, playoff hockey for him. You know, he took it deep, deep down seriously. But I think when it comes to all sides, I think he, he had a great, you know, he, he had a good time in New York. You know, he, he was a professional. You know, he didn't uh, end up uh, being in any tabloids, being doing stupid stuff. He had a beautiful wife. He has beautiful kids, you know, and uh, he, he managed to have a great career in New York City, which is very hard to do. Now, having said that, I know he stayed out of trouble. You guys were close. You know, you guys were rooming together. Is there any kind of story you would like to share with us about Henrik? Oh, you know what? I don't uh, really have any crazy stories about Henrik. I think uh, Henrik was very, uh, you know, laid back and very, uh, I think he, he loved the game so much. So he used to talk about hockey a lot. But I, I remember one thing uh, about me and Henrik. I remember we had a two days off uh, during the preseason in New York. And uh, at that time, I had a girlfriend, uh, my wife right now. She was in Italy, playing in Italy, in Rome. And I remember me and Hendrik were driving car together after practice. It was like Friday uh, afternoon. And Hendrik asked me what I'm going to do for the next few days. I told him, I'm just going to stay in the city, maybe go to the park, go to, you know, to Russian Bath in, uh, you know, uh, downtown. So uh, Monday, when we meet together to go back to practice, Hendrik goes, what did you do? I go, hey, listen, I went to Rome. He goes, what do you mean Rome? Like Rome, Italy? I go, yeah, I flew to Italy. And he was like, what? How did you do that? It was like only two days. So, you know, he, he, he was so shocked because he was still a rookie on the team. He was so shocked that, you know, a guy like me with uh, 12, 14 years experience can jump on the plane and fly to Italy for a day, you know? <laughs> well, uh, we're going to leave it at that. And I got to believe that, um, you know, influences early on in your career make a difference. And I think the one thing that you showed him is that you can play hard, as you did, and still have some fun. So I think... I'm going to believe you're a good role model for him in setting him up for a long, good career. So uh, we're going to leave it there. We thank you for your time, my friend. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Joining us now is a friend of the program, New York Post sports writer, Molly Walker. You can read her story on Henrik Lundqvist in the Post and at nypost.com. Molly got to interview Henrik Lundqvist this past season. So welcome in, Molly. Molly, um, I guess I know that you've been a big fan of Henrik in his past. Now you become a sports writer and you get to actually talk to him. What was that like, that initial contact and being able to talk to him, being a fan, but also having to be professional, write a story? Yeah, I mean, I was I was eight years old when Hank was in his rookie season with the Rangers. So I, I really have been watching him for as long as I've been a hockey fan. And I didn't really get as into it as I am now until around eighth grade. And, you know, I used Hank as as ammo a lot with all the Devils fans that were in my school that would always try to say that Brodor was the king and Brodor was the real king. And, you know, Hank always gave me a lot of ammo to throw back at them throughout the years. So a big thanks to him for that. But it was a very, very cool experience for me. Very surreal. I, I remember the first couple of times 
I, I just, I couldn't even ask a question. I would, I just kind of wanted to watch and, and, and listen in and, and see his kinds of responses that I've always thought about to all the other reporters. But once I got comfortable a couple times in the locker room, then I started asking him questions and, and he was always so gracious and, and everybody says the nicest things about him and they're all true. Um, he couldn't be any more gracious with his time and, and he's always available. He was always sitting in his locker totally free for anybody to walk up to him and ask him any questions. And I, I, I didn't expect that because of the pedestal that I had of him in my, in my mind. Um, it was, it was kind of shocking to me to see how available he was all the time when, when a player of that stature absolutely doesn't have to be like that. So I think that was one of the greatest traits that I was able to see firsthand that I probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to just as a fan. So I was very, very grateful for the couple of times that I got to interview him and, and he'll always be that ammo that I had to all my school friends. <laughs> so when, when I, when I think about that, uh, the pedestal was your pedestal higher than the one that your mother had for me. <laughs> Ron, that is non-existent. Ron, you have no idea. I, I didn't have posters of Henrik in my room. My yeah. mother had posters of you in her in her room. So that's a very striking difference. <laughs> so with Lundquist, um, everyone says he's, um, whether he's on the ice or off the ice, just a very likable guy. Was that what attracted you to him or was it his leadership quality or just the, the position? What was it that you and many fans are attracted to Henrik? I think it was just how fast he became an icon. He became a New York icon in such a short amount of time. And, and he just lived up to that reputation that, that Larry Brooks gave him, the king. You know, it, it, he really lived, he carried that crown with so much grace and and so much poise you know it's so hard to be in that kind of spotlight especially in new york and and not get in trouble with tmz or, or not get you know rumors of of bad things going on about you and there was never a peep of anything about him ever he was just always the model athlete for new york and on top of that, just his style, his his fashion icon that he became, I think all of it wrapped into one, just made such a unique New York icon, I feel. It was unlike any other athlete that I've ever seen growing up. He just really, you know, embraced everything that made him him and New York loved him for it. And and like I said, it's so such a testament to his inner circle and and also just him as a person that you know you never heard a bad word about him you never heard um, a bad rumor or anything and you know that's all you can ask for as a, a New York team under this media scrutiny and, and the big stage that is New York so I think that is also a reason why I looked up to him just to so much and and thought that he was on such a higher pedestal than some of the other New York athletes that I've gotten to watch growing up. So Molly you're about to write an article on him what is it that you want the fans to to see or to remember? What do you want to tap into in this article that you're about to uh, do on Henrik? I think the central part of the entire article is just kind of the farewell messages that just came pouring out today from all ends of the spectrum. I mean, from Rangers brass to Roger Federer calling King Hen Henrik the king of New York of New York City. So I feel like there was so many people that felt the need to come out and, and 
say their personal stories. Reporters too, broadcasters, everybody, and everybody in media, everybody had a story that they wanted to share of of Henrik and and just how much he meant to them and and what a pleasure it was covering him um, or just being around him or being able to share a New York stage with him. So I really wanted to convey just how much outpouring there was from around New York just to congratulate him on the end of his career and and to wish him well in whatever his next steps are. So I think that's probably the central focus of the story you can read in tomorrow's New York Post. Well, thank you for your insight. And we will, all of us will look forward to what you have to add to what we already know about Lundquist, but the appreciation from the fans is what we're going to want to see in here. So thank you very much for your time. Of course. Thanks so much for having me on. Joining us now to talk about Henrik Lundqvist is a goaltender that led the Rangers to the Stanley Cup title in 1994, the great Mike Richter. Mike, thanks for coming on. Uh, We've been talking about Henrik uh, and we've been uh, gathering stories and basically talking about his time in New York. And I guess for you, I would love to hear for you because I could talk to players and ask them what it's like to play in New York playing at the guard. But unless you ask a goaltender, the pressure of being a goaltender in New York, it is so different. So what can you share on what it was like for you and what you think it was like for Lundqvist to be a goaltender for 15 seasons? I mean, everybody's got their own experience, but I mean, this guy made uh, an incredible career here in New York. Uh, you know, we're all fans, uh, former players, current players, and uh, he was a really enjoyable guy to watch. But we got to watch the fun part. The hard part is putting in the work to make yourself that good, and he did that. I have a lot of respect for with Henrik, how he approached his, his craft, his game. He kept honing it and kept improving. And I think if you have that type of mentality, that type of drive, you're not worried about making mistakes. You're just worried about getting better. Yeah, there is always pressure and there's down times and there's challenges. But he's a guy that, you know, came here fairly young and from the get-go said, I, I want to make my mark uh, and really play with a level of consistency. So, yeah, uh, pressure is, is, is always there. But doing anything great has its price and has its, uh, you know, cost of entry and, and for all of us, it's a lot of work. And for Henrik, he, he was fantastic at that. So when you think about uh, the pressure of playing, but also the pressure of having to win the Stanley Cup in New York, do you think that, because uh, people, some are holding that against him when they talk about talk about him going to the Hockey Hall of Fame and retiring his jersey. Do you think that that, that should even be considered? It, it's difficult. I mean, you know, I had this conversation not long ago with some friends about what, what, what you know, the, the Hall of Fame, um, they, they have a difficult job. I mean, players keep getting better. In my era, there's a lot of great goalies. There's all kinds of them now. Every team has a, a, a bucket of them, you know, three of them deep. The metrics, I guess you don't, you want to have a standard, right? But just, I just know in my time, guys like Curtis Joseph played a ton of games, won a lot. Mike Vernon won two Stanley Cups with two different teams. Tom Barrasso, uh, two Stanley Cups with, and, you know, these guys rarely even get mentioned. And they're tremendous players, um, great professionals. And so, you know, they have their criteria, obviously, for the Hall. Um, and, and in a team game, winning championships is always kind of paramount. But just look at the body of work the guy did. That can work for you against you. It can be a, a really good player on a great team. You're not getting into the hall unless you're great. You're not even discussed uh, getting into the hall unless you're great. And Henrik's great. So for sure he should be discussing that. But I, 
I don't know if it's fair to hold it against him. He, he had such a consistent career, consistently high-level career. Uh, it, it reminds me of Marty Bodor, but he, you know, obviously he doesn't have the championships that Marty has. But night in, night out, you're going to be treated to a guy who's come to play and plays at a high level and is a difficult guy for the other team to play against. And I think, you know, that consistency is the hallmarking of a champion, really. And, and he certainly has that in spades. When you think about him as a legendary Ranger goaltender, as you are, does it make sense for him to possibly go and chase after winning a Stanley Cup, possibly going to another team? Would it make sense when you think about what it would be like for him? What does that make sense? It's, look, it's a great question. It's, an, I guess, in some ways, an obvious one to think about it. You, you, you know, what we don't know is what his family situation is. What's going through his head? How, what, what is his? What is his intensity meter at? To, from from the outside looking in, it's pretty high. I mean, this guy still competes. He still prepares. He got ready to come back after this COVID break and, and played really well. Like, <laughs> he, he, there's not a lot of quit in the man. So that, hey, you need that. If, if that's gone, don't even bother coming back, okay? Um, and, you know, people do get tired and, and, and you know, the, the challenges get greater as you get older. You maybe, you know, you, you have injuries and everything else to come back can be very, very difficult. But look at guys like, Mark Messier and, and Wayne Gretzky. I mean, those guys define the Edmonton Oilers. Won multiple Stanley Cups there. Then they go to a new team and start that challenge over and end up taking the teams to the finals in both cases as the captain. So, you know, when you're a great player, you have ability to, to make reality bend to your will sometimes. Those guys certainly did. I don't know whether Hank wants to keep playing. You, I can tell you that he's a, probably a better goalie now than he, than he was 10 years ago. The league, you know, his his body's going to slow down. His ability to recover from injury is going to, you know, diminish. And so all those factors, but between his ears, he's been holding that his entire freaking life. And so to, it's not an easy thing to do is to give that up, that, that, that gift that you've, in a way, given yourself hard work. So I'm sure he doesn't want to, and I don't blame him. I, I didn't want to, and probably no player does. But you also don't want to, you know, hang on for the sake of hanging on. What complicates thing is this COVID thing. You know, when, when, when does the season start? It's not a normal routine. So do we have another season that starts, you know, in, in a major delay? Um, do we miss a year? That starts to complicate things when you're, when you're getting up to 36, 37, 38. But, you know, it's weird. It was uh, to see Marty and, it's, you know, to see him in another jersey, for example, or Leaky when he went away. They still contribute. They still play. And they're still great players. So I think if you can play, they don't ask you to come back once you can't play anymore. So if you have game left in you, I'd say go. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I like to think that uh, you've been a good ambassador for the New York Ranger organization. And I think that Lundquist has kind of have seen what the players of the past have done. And I think he continued on that path of being able to share himself and just being good in the community. Would you say that uh, for what he's done, that he uh, he's a player that uh, kind of did things that you would like for him to have done? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, talking about him today, I think, look, it, it's sad to see as a, as a fan, as, as, as particularly as a player who literally stood in the same spot at MSG as he was for all those years, you, you understand a lot of what he's going through. Um, everybody reacts differently, but you know these are these are difficult things. That's your life. That's what you've put your whole being into. And it's when it's when someone says, you know, look, we don't need your services anymore. No matter how you slice it, it's it's, it's a difficult moment. And um, I think in order to accept it and process it, maybe you never fully do. But I think one thing that he can be very proud of, and and this is what makes you know, a guy like him able to sleep at night is not so much, oh, should I have won the Stanley Cup? Oh, it's more like, 
the question you need to ask yourself is, did I do everything I possibly could do to be as good as I could possibly be? To leave everything out there every time you go. Not an easy thing to do. And you know, you see it in some players at whatever level of ability they have. And he had a high level. He worked his ass off. He really worked hard and um, was a true professional. And so, you know, what he won't have is the regret of saying, gosh, had I only worked a little bit more, maybe I could have been a good goalie or maybe I could have given my team a better shot. Doesn't mean you're going to win everything. Doesn't mean you don't have regrets, but you don't have that regret where you're saying, gosh, I could have just gotten run a little bit more out of my talent. And that guy worked so hard. And, you know, he, he and, and, and uh, Benoit, they, they were such a good combination. They really professional about just honing his skill and getting better and better and better. And it just, I don't know, I feel like he did such a good job of leaving it all out there. He can walk away very proud. Well, we're going to leave it with that. Thanks for the kind words, Mike. We uh, we all appreciate you and, and, and Lundquist. I mean, the Ranger organization has been blessed with having some great goaltending and you being one of them. So thanks for your time. We wish you the best. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, good luck to Hank and, and thanks for having me on. Joining us now is a friend of the program, Ranger Great, the youngest Rangers captain ever, my old teammate for seven years, and MSG Network and ESPN Radio Rangers color commentator, Dave Maloney. Thanks, Dave, for coming on today uh, with uh, Lundquist leaving, where I'm gathering uh, thoughts, uh, memories, uh, looking back at uh, the impact that he's had over the years. And I know that you've been close to him with being around him. You got to talk to him. Uh, you got to see what he was like when the team was winning, when the team was uh, losing. Uh, so my question to you, what is it, if you were to best describe Henrik Lundqvist as a man and as a player, how would you do that? Well, you know what, Ron? I think the thing is, if I had a little chance to think about this, is he really became almost like the moral beacon. Of, of the franchise. He, he was the guy that uh, was there through thick and thin, um, stood up through thick and thin. It all certainly starts with his play. You know, it's interesting over the uh, course of the time I've been doing this, I've crossed paths with uh, Yager, Shanahan, Hendrick, all uh, bona fide first ballot Hall of Famers, right? And they all probably were as hard working guy that was on the ice so you certainly a lot of the things about his play uh, were the results of uh, you know whatever god gave the talent he had but boy oh boy he didn't cheat himself in preparation but i think you know i think back to those years with tortorello uh, tortorello and then into the avino uh, years that peaked certainly with the cup finals in 2014 and he really was the go-to guy in so many places uh, on and off the ice. I can't help but think that, uh, but I do know, a lot of what happened in the room, a lot of how that group came together, uh, he was a very, very, very significant part of that. So, listen, the ending is a lot of times never great for anyone. It was an awkward situation with two goaltenders coming along and where the franchise was. But I'll tell you, um, it'll be 30 seconds after this all settles and there'll be talk that his number should go up in the Raptors and and it really should. So I just, uh, as much as anyone I've seen in the game, I'm not sure anybody commanded any more respect both on the ice and particularly off the ice than Henry Conquest. There's no doubt that they're going to retire his jersey the day that he decides he's wanted to retire in, in the Hall of Fame. But for those who, uh, for whatever reason, they always say, well, he didn't win a Stanley Cup. 
when you think about his work and how he performed, and most of the time he was the most valuable player on the ice, does it really matter to you the fact that he did not win the Stanley Cup? No. Uh, and the only, and I, uh, that certainly is not a new uh, conversation piece. Uh, and over time, they would never have had the chances they had but for his play. And the only thing he couldn't do was to score a goal when the team needed a goal to be scored because he did everything else to give that team uh, in front of him a chance to win. Now, no, no successful franchise goes without uh, the goaltending. I think we all agree it's probably the most important position. And I think the thing about him, uh, dude, was, you know, at the height of his career, he, the 11 of his first 12 years, he made the playoffs. And at the height of his career, in those years, you knew what you were getting from him. You were getting 95% of who he was as a player and as a competitor, 98% of the time. I remember one point I was talking with the uh, Ben Waller, the Rangers uh, goaltending coaches. We went down the list, really, um, the goalies that you knew you could count on uh, through thick and thin. And I, I want to tell you, there weren't many beyond Henrik Lundqvist. So, no, I don't – we'll, we'll never buy that argument that his career needed to be validated by a uh, Stanley Cup win. He's a five-time All-Star. He did everything, everything within his uh, grasp and possession to give that franchise a chance. And uh, he's simply put, I think it's had a, uh, just a stupendous career. So having said that, would you like to see him play on another team, have an opportunity to possibly back up to a contender, possibly in the same conference? Would that be of interest to you? Would you want to see that for him? Yeah, I, I would like to see him get a chance uh, if it is within his grasp. I think the thing that you have to understand about, and I'm sure you've come across the greats, you're a great player yourself, the greats, they, they, they only learn to play a certain way, and it's difficult. I think it becomes difficult for particularly the elite players to maybe accept that secondary role. And that'll all be up to Hendrick. What, you know, where, what options are out there? It's a little bit like watching Shaddy raise the cup uh, two nights ago. Would I love to see Hendrick Lindquist get his name on the cup? Absolutely. Would I love to see it to the franchise that are uh, near and dear to both you and I? For certain, the Rangers. Well, it's not going to be that. And if that opportunity presents itself and he can get himself in that frame of mind, it's going to be the guy that maybe isn't quite the uh, workhorse he's been for his career. He can settle in and get a good chance. I, I absolutely love to see him get the cup. Well, thanks, Dave. That's good stuff because uh, I know that um, you've appreciated him because you appreciate those guys that compete. and You competed hard as a Ranger, and he's going to go down as a legendary Ranger. So thanks for your time, my friend. No problem, dude. Keep up the good work. We'll talk soon. Joining up in the Blue Seas now is a longtime ESPN anchor and diehard Rangers fan, my friend, Linda Cohen. Linda, welcome to the show as uh, we talk about Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, I'm getting a lot of different feedback from those who uh, have watched him, have played with him, um, who've written about him. And of course, I know that you have. And of course, we like goaltender input. I know you've been a goaltender. But more importantly, you being a big Ranger fan, what did he mean to you as a fan when he came into the New York Rangers? It, it, it's, I'm telling you, I don't have enough words, Doogie. I'm telling you, I don't have enough words. It's really simple as that, what he said. Listen, okay, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, and we know we have unconditional love for Mike Richter. And growing up, I had unconditional love and still do for Eddie Jockerman. Okay, those, those were my two, okay, like most Ranger fans. Bottom line is this, Hank was a New York Ranger you know, true blue. And he loved this organization. And as I tweeted out, I mean, he gave his heart and soul on and off the ice to this organization. 
And, you know, the Rangers obviously appreciated that for sure. Uh, but it's all about not winning a cup, which is all he was playing for. And honestly, cutting to the chase, uh, full disclosure, for two years since that reboot was announced by the New York Rangers, when, you know, that statement was put out, um, I wanted Lundqvist to go to a team with a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I hope he still does. I really hope he doesn't walk away. I really think he has more to give. Another factor, which I think is very significant because of the uncertainty of how long this uh, next NHL season will be, uh, whether it will be the full 82 games. I'm not sure if we know that 100%. We also don't know when this thing is going to start 100%. And so I think most teams to be successful, especially the contending teams, they need two very good goalies. The two-goalie tandem is significant, especially to this upcoming season with all the uncertainty. And I believe there are places and great landing spots for Henrik Lundqvist. Linda, you cover uh, many athletes. How important is it to you when you think of an athlete that it's just not about what they do on the ice, what they do with their ability, but a lot of it has to do with their character and what they do off the ice. How would you describe with what you know about him, him being an ambassador for the New York Rangers in the New York City market? Well, you know, Ron, you know what this is so much. You did so much when you're a New York Ranger off the ice as well, what you do in the community, and you're still doing it as an ex-New York Ranger. So you know what this is about. But, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is always at the front of the line front and center, Garden of Dreams Foundation, uh, all of that, you know, everything that he's done outside uh, hockey it, it has meant, as I said at the top of this, you know, there are no words to describe it and how he just um, embraced New York City. Think about there's really only a handful of athletes that embrace New York City the way Henrik Lundqvist did from day one. I mean, think about it. You know, I, I mean, he, he, he loved the New York Rangers organization, but you know what he loved just as much? This city, New York City. And when you think about the the great, all-time greats that have played for New York professional sports teams, he's right there on that Mount Rushmore of players that have obviously made an impact with their respective New York teams, but also love New York City as much as uh, Henrik Lundqvist did. So now you, you've mentioned that you'd love to see him have an, upper, an opportunity that being on a good team and possibly winning the Stanley Cup. Would that be okay for you to see him on a East Coast Conference team, or would you want him far away and not playing against the Rangers? You know what? I I want I want I don't doesn't bother me. He can be in the Metropolitan Division for all I care. I want him to win a cup. I really do. I you know the Washington Capitals are one of my landing spots for him. I think he would be great. Uh, uh you know tutoring Samsonov, backing him up. I think that's a great spot. I obviously hope he's not going to be there anymore. They have a new head coach in Peter Laviolette who always wins, and uh, I like that spot. And I don't mind it. I really don't mind. Uh, Definitely, Ron. I don't care. I want him to win a cup. I want the best possible place for that to happen. The other place, of course, if he goes west, I know a lot of people are saying it. I've been saying it really for, you know, the beginning of the year, uh, the avalanche. I thought something was going to happen during this season, pre-pandemic, that a deal might have been pulled off. But at that time, Grubauer was playing so well for Colorado. But I think that's another perfect fit for Henrik Lundqvist. Again, no, he's not going to be a number one. He'd be a backup. And teams who are serious Stanley Cup contenders, hey, look at the Rangers. They're going to need food to Sirkin and Georgiev or if they want to compete for a Stanley Cup. I don't think they're ready to next year, but they will be in three years or maybe two years if the, you know, if the, the you know, if it holds perfectly and nobody gets hurt. But the point is this. Next year is what we're talking about. And I still think Lundqvist has a lot to give. And those are just two examples of teams. Uh, that could use it where he's not just sitting on his butt, you know, blow drying his hair 
he is actually playing a part and helping a team win a Stanley Cup. Wow, Linda, you've really thought this through already. I mean, I love the idea, and I never even thought about it. What teams, but Washington? My goodness, right? that would be perfect. That would be perfect. Exactly. You know why? You know why Washington be good for him is because he uh, he loves that entertainment value. For him to go to Colorado, I don't think that would be that stimulating to him. But if you go to Washington, absolutely, I think that'd be great with Ovechkin. My wow, that's that's a possibility. And then playing against the Rangers, yeah, that's exciting as hell. I'm telling you, and you, that's a very good point you brought up. You know, no offense to anyone in Colorado. It's a different vibe. It's just a different city, a different atmosphere. But you're a teammate with Alex Ovechkin and John Carlson, okay? And you know the rest of those guys, Kuznetsov. I mean, I can go on and on. You know, uh, it's just, you know, un unbelievable. The talent there and that team, they didn't like the way they ended in the first round against the Islanders. They didn't like the way anything about what happened under Todd Reardon for that one year or two years or whatever the heck that was, that disaster hiring was. No offense to Todd Reardon, but it didn't work out. I told you that the guy behind the bench is one of the greatest of all time and Peter Laviolette. And uh, I just think it has all the components. And you know what? You know this. Ron, you know this. You know how what a big competitor Henrik Lundqvist is, okay? You know he would just love. He'll never say it out loud, but he would just love to go to a Metro Division team and really get the last laugh against the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. I'm in agreement there with you, Linda. That's good. I love that. So we're going to keep on top of that, see if something like that happens. So anyways, we're going to let you go. We thank you for your insight always. And we wish you the very best. Thank you, Linda. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. That seals the deal for episode 38 of Up in the Blue Seats. New York Ranger podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrary for producing the show. Catch up on all 38 episodes of Up in the Blue Seats by subscribing on your preferred podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with new episodes of the show next Thursday after the Rangers make their picks in the NHL draft. Talk to you all then and stay safe.